Marge and Vanston. I'm Casey f***ing Ryback. <laughs> I don't think we can open with that. All right. Who's Casey Ryback? You never saw Under Siege? It's it's a classic. Oh! It's a classic piece of American movie making <laughs> something with, with the genius martial arts master himself, Steven Seagal. Come on, man. I, I have seen it. <laughs> All right, let's try again. Sure, no problem. <laughs> okay, here we go. I'm Carrington Vanston. And I'm just Mike McGinnis. <laughs> and this is No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. How are you, Mike? I'm all right, Carrington. How are you? I'm all right, too. I'm laughing because it just Mike McGinnis. The listeners won't know that we had a false start first where you were somebody else. It's very funny. It's all very funny, the stuff we don't record. Yeah, it's too bad we don't do bloopers. <laughs> we don't. We, all we do is bloopers. Well, that's true. The whole show <laughs> is just one bloopers. Blooper. Yes, we bloop. So, what is new, Mike McGinnis? Um, not much for me. Kansas Fest. Kansas Fest is new. Yeah, Kansas Fest is coming. My mind is definitely not on my job or anywhere else. Nope. I have Kansas Fest on the mind as well. The last couple of days, really excited. Be taking off this weekend, heading down towards Kansas City. So, you and I will both be there. We can get our Apple II classicness on. So, so excited. It's going to be awesome. But first, we have a game to talk about. We do. We've got news. We've got feedback. We've got uh, a game. <laughs> we got a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff. All the usual goodies. So what shall we begin with? Shall we begin with news and then get to our hate mail? <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? Okay, so I've got some newses. I've got, Give us newses. Uh, I've got some newses. Um, first, uh, a new classic arcade has opened in Alameda, California. So those out on the left side of the map can go to a place called the High Scores Arcade, which is highscoresarcade.com. So they have a good domain name. They've got a pretty good selection of games as well. And what really caught my eye is they've got Zookeeper. And we talked about Zookeeper, and it's awesome. And I think a lot of people have not played it. And it's a game worth playing in an actual machine. So if you are in or near Alameda, California, and you listened to our Zookeeper episode and thought, that sounds fun, and you were right to think so, then you should head over to the High Scores Arcade and check it out. And let me see what else I got. Uh, another set. We talked before about classic arcade photos, you know, photos and, and things taken from back then. So another set of those has been released. So it's a bunch of photos from the 1970s and 80s. And I liked these ones. I found them on sfgate.com, San Francisco Gate. And I found that by first reading about that arcade and then leaping over to California news. And I'm like, oh, look, they have arcades. But they've got this section in sfgate.com called Let's Go to the Morgue, which I guess is like the photo morgue. But it caught my eye. And they have a very unfortunately named series of photos called, <clears throat> brace yourself, The Pong Goodbye. So, uh, yeah, I know. Wow. So, but it's really good and interesting photos. And what I like is there's a lot of photos from the 70s. So you get to see, like, long-haired hip people <laughs> playing, playing pinball and stuff. And it totally looks like they just came out of a Kiss concert. It's completely awesome so totally Mullets badass and perms and leather jackets and tight jeans exactly and so we'll have a link to the pong goodbye unfortunately on uh just because it's interesting to see those photos but another reason to bookmark this site is in the description of the photos the guy says the following and this made me really interested 
Also on the agenda, I have some fantastic photos of Atari founder Nolan Bushnell chilling in a hot tub with a special lady shortly after his video game company started blowing up in 1976. I'll post those later as part of the First Contact series. So those are photos I think would be really worth checking out. So they will be posted soon. So that would be the reason to go check out the Pong Goodbye so you can bookmark the site and see those uh, Bushnell and his special lady in the hot tub photos. Wow. And then, following that bit of news on SFGate, I saw that they had linked to an article describing something called the Musée Mécanique. So basically the Mechanical Museum in French. It's in San Francisco, and he has some photos in this this classic series that show the Mechanical Museum back years ago, but it's still open today. And it bills itself as one of the world's largest collection of antique arcade attractions. So it's not the sort of arcade games that we talk about, the fancy beeps and blips and video screens, but it's more the the mechanical games, the the baseball games and the fortune tellers. And so the the precursors to the kind of arcade games we talk about. And I find those things really interesting as well. And uh, if I'm ever out in San Francisco, I'd love to check this place out because it's got lots of creepy but fun-looking mechanical attractions. So it's called the Musée Mechanique, and we will have a link to that website as well. And one of our listeners in San Francisco needs to invite Carrington out there so he can check it out. Yes, totally. Invite me to San Francisco. I will come out there, and it will be fun, and we will go to the museum, and we will have a good time, and we will eat ice cream. He will live in your house. He will eat your food. He's Carrington. (laughs) That was like the worst pilot we ever shot. (laughs) It's Carrington. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've got a few song. So finally, uh, I guess finally, something made the news recently. Well, I guess the big thing that made the news is the the uh, big arcade event, the California Stream. But before we get to that, something new has come out, just come out, called All You Can Arcade. Do you know what this is, Mike? I do not, Carrington. I will tell you. Do you know what? Do you know what GameFly is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a site where you can rent video games as much as you would rent a movie or something. Exactly. So, like, you can basically you rent them. They, they send you video games, PlayStation things, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Imagine Gamefly for full-size stand-up classic arcade games. Explain. That's what all you can arcade is. For $75 a month per game you'd like to have, they will send you. So you'll say, I'd like to have Star Wars and Gravitron. Well, that'll cost you $150 a month. They send them to you. Keep them as long as you want. And anytime you can say, okay, I'm, I'm done with my Star Wars. I'd like to trade it in and have a Donkey Kong. There's no delivery fees or anything. It's out on the, the left coast as well. So San Francisco, alas. But this really interests me. <laughs> so wow. it's allyoucanarcade.com. It's just launched. It's really a Spartan site. They don't even have the list of games and stuff up yet. So it might be a bit of a land rush. But if you're interested in this idea, I think it's worth going and signing up right now just to get on the list. Because they'll no doubt be limited in the number of games they have. But I, I like this idea that instead of having to drop all the money. Now, yes, you could buy your own arcade games for less than this. You, for $300, $400, you can buy yourself one and keep it forever. But I think a lot of people don't want to have one particular game forever. So this would be an idea to say, you know what, I'm just going to invest $75 a month and I'm always going to have an arcade game that I can swap out at any time for a different one. And they'll come and deliver it and set it up and all that. So I'm interested in this. So it's allyoucanarcade.com and we'll see what happens with it. I want to go to there. <laughs> I know. Eh? So and well, that adds up to quite a bit over the year. Like so every year. You're paying what would cost you for the same money. You can buy yourself some really good cars. So maybe economically it doesn't work out, but for the convenience, there's it has some appeal to me. 
Yeah, I think if I were going to do something like that, I'd have to try to figure out a way to, to, to monetize it and turn around and exploit my friends to cover the costs, at least. Sure, yes, get people to come over or share it or... Mm-hmm play or whatever so anyway that's a new service and it's interesting to see what what's going to happen for it but it's basically gamefly for stand-up classic arcade games a bit of sad news before we move on to california extreme make us sad mike san rafael's starbase arcade has been open for 30 years Mm -hmm. it is no longer open oh yeah i've never been neither have i high rents have forced the closure of one of the nation's last arcades for the 1980s according to video game officials oh I found this in the San Rafael patch. Actually, somebody else sent it into Facebook. They did all the work, and I'm just claiming credit here. <laughs> uh, but there is a nice little article about uh, how it was a family business, kind of the sad end to one of America's oldest arcades. Yeah, that's really that's really too bad. Yeah, so StarbaseArcade.com is their website, and I'll have a link to it. But, oh, that's a shame. And it's not the only bad news that we're going to talk about today. But Mike's Mike's just gonna bring us down, man. <laughs> well, no, one of our listeners is gonna reach down. Well, let's yeah, let's talk about California Extreme and some other stuff. Yes, okay. So before we get to California Extreme, because I'm really interested in talking about that and and linking to it all. So let's talk about a couple of. So we just talked about arcades closing. So that's got me thinking about arcades opening. So there's two Indiegogo projects right now that people could invest in if they'd like to help support the opening of arcades. I'm kind of down on both of them. So there's one called the Lazy Lemon. Okay. The Lazy Lemon wants to open an arcade, but full of just Xbox 360s and PCs to to do gaming. They've raised $30 of their $50,000 goal. And I'm not keen on this sort of arcade at all. We, my family owned a very, very large, at the time it was the, the large, world's largest um, cyber cafe for a while here in Toronto. And it's crazy the hoops you have to jump to to legally offer pay-for-play games. Like, if you've got PCs and video games, there's a lot more to it than I think people think. Because the licensing agreements for the version that you buy in the store, you're not allowed to rent out uh, pay-for-play. You have to buy a special version of all the games. It's a crazy logistics nightmare. So, And it seems they haven't looked into that. But also, I think if you're going to open an arcade, it just it doesn't doesn't gel with me at all to open one just full of 360s. I'm like, that's just that's a waste. That's a waste of opportunity. So people going the other way, there's something called Arcade Odyssey, which uh, seems to I've never been there, but it's a it's a fairly sizable arcade. Looks like a pretty good one in Florida. Builds itself as the number one arcade in South Florida. South is a very difficult word for me for some reason. You wouldn't think so. Wouldn't think because you live in the north. Because I live in the north. Yes, so we don't get to use words like warmth or south very much. <laughs> so Arcade Odyssey, which has a, a uh, they've got 123 games in their arcade right now, which is a heck of a lot more than I have in my house, so there's nothing to sniff at, but it does include pinball and modern games and that sort of stuff, but still, I wish I had an arcade that was local that had 123 games, mm-hmm. but they want to open something in the, called the Arcade Odyssey Museum, and they have an Indiegogo uh, project for that as well. I'll link to both these Indiegogo um, projects. Well, I don't think it's jerks, but they, they have so really ambitious. They want to open a huge video game museum that's a, a museum, an arcade. They want consoles, PCs, card and tabletop games. They just and want you're it to be here like to the, crush their dreams. I, in a sense, I am partly because I think, well, what are they doing that Fun Spot hasn't done other than they want to include 
console games, PCs, and tabletop games. Tabletop games interest me. That could be fun. They want to raise $7 million, though. So it seems like weird if you want $7 million to open something and you go through Indiegogo. It seems like an odd way to raise your money. Um, they've raised $478 so far, but they only just started raising. So maybe people are keener on this than I am. I've just sort of looked at it, so I haven't really made up my mind yet whether this is something I think will be good, not be good. I don't know. Well, it'll, it'll be interested to hear what our, our listeners think about it. But I will link to both uh, the Lazy Lemon and Arcade Odyssey, both their Indiegogo sites, so people can decide on their own if they're worth supporting and maybe let me know what they think. My initial thought on this is kind of, I think, similar in attitude to yours, only maybe not so negative. I hope it burns to the ground before they get to open it. <laughs> I don't feel like I think that. <laughs> I I get that, yeah, Fun Spot has done this before, but South Florida is a long way from, from Weir's Beach. But it's a long way from me. Oh, that, I, I think they have underestimated the importance of opening this near me. Uh, $7 million, I think, is a little ambitious. And I really don't think that's they're going to get in, anywhere I think with Indiegogo, though, you get all the money you raise, even if you don't hit your target. It's not like Kickstarter. If you only raise 50000 they get their 50000 So I can just I can, I can put a, an Indiegogo thing out there and say I yes. want this amount of money. And, and whether or not I reach the goal, I get to keep the money. And- Except I'm going to form a Kickstopper campaign <laughs> so people will contribute to me to stop you. Oh, I <laughs> Yep. Right. That's how I roll, baby. Ruining my plans, kicking me in the teeth. I see how you are. <laughs> Fine. Fine. So talk to me about California Extreme. I didn't go. We got two pieces of correspondence on this one, and, and I apologize. Uh, I'll have his name next week when I can get back into my email. Uh, Mike has been locked out of his email. I'm locked out of my Gmail. It's a long, <laughs> ugly story that involves Carrington and a watermelon. <laughs> Regardless, I thought we were going to talk about that in public. <sighs> sorry, we got a very nice, lengthy review of, of California Extreme from one of our listeners. And you say we? I think that got sent just to you. I'm talking about the royal we here. Oh, <laughs> I see you. Oh. <laughs> yes. La la la. It was a very lengthy review, very nice and detailed, and we will have that up somewhere. Uh, next week for you guys mm-hmm. to to read and fawn over and we'll give credit where credit is due and take credit where it's not due. I'm sorry I don't have that in front of me. I have another one. The second message that we got is still loading in Facebook. And it's from our friend Classy Freddy Blassie. Classy Blassie writes, first he writes about uh, Space Invaders, uh, the, the movie In Search of Lost Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had encouraged him to drop a few quarters on on the movie that he downloaded from a, a not so not a, uh, not so nice place, right? And he says, "I did not drop the filmmaker any money on his site after viewing it, but I did buy the forty dollars three disc special edition with extra footage in person from his wife at California Extreme. Good for you, Classy Blassy. Totally, actually, that. that that is a that's the perfect way to buy it. That is really awesome. He says, "I filmed the whole Q and A session after the screening of the Space Invaders with the filmmakers and even some of the cast filmed the the." The Space War keynote with Steve Russell, Bill Pitts, Hugh Tuckin saw Bill Carlton get over 300,000 on Centipede. I played the newly rediscovered two-player Missile Command 2. I played an original Pong. I acted like a jackass and generally played a bunch of Pac-Man <laughs> Battle Royale. A time well spent, I, I think. am incredibly, incredibly jealous and envious of you, Mr. Bassey. As I am I. I wish I had, I had been able to go there. I wish I had knew it was last weekend. I know. we did, The reason we didn't talk about it in this the show last week is we sort of didn't know what was happening. <laughs> I completely spaced out about it. This is why Atari Age 
considers us rightly so that we are not hardcore. <laughs> Yo, welcome to noobs, <laughs> noobs on games. Yes, he says uh, another video was screened called "The Video Craze: Where Were You in 1982?" by Dave Danzara, and he's got a whole list of links here. And he he sent this as a private message on Facebook, so I am going to go ahead and repost that where everybody else can see it. Cool. Yes. So send me the links and I will get them up in our show notes. We'll do that and we'll spread some lies and propaganda. I would hope so. Why have a show if you're not going to do that? We do have some postings, just general open postings on Facebook that are worth a read here. Yeah, but if people are interested in the show and you have a Facebook account, it really would be worth sort of joining in the discussion on Facebook. Like increasingly, that's where people are responding to the show, sort of talking about stuff. And it's not just about posting like a like or whatever, but it's, you know, people, I will see it pop up in my email that somebody will post a link or post something interesting and it'd be a good place to hang out if people are interested in, in our podcast. Well, yeah, we're up to what, 73 likes now, which is you know, not a huge number, but it's enough where there's some interesting discussion going on yeah. about this stuff and it's not just me Posting into the void. Hey, your new shoes up. So, <laughs> uh, good stuff. Stop by if you feel like it. Say hello. Give us a like. Chris Hafner, who has written us a few times in the past, mm-hmm. he posted. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight paragraphs in one message, and then continued it in a second message. So I'm probably, Chris, going to break this up over several shows to talk about everything that you mentioned here. One word at a time. (laughs) You bet. Chris says, I dropped you guys a note on Twitter last week, but figured I'd send something through on Facebook as well. Uh, Discovered no quarter after being a subscriber to both OpenApple and 1 Megahertz, where Carrington puts one out anyway. (laughs) I have news about that, but we'll leave leave it for now. All right. There is exciting news. I was delighted to learn that Carrington and Mike were putting out a podcast together, a bit like John Lennon touring with the Rolling Stones. Yes, exactly I'm both of those. You're nothing. You're my groupie, dude. I'm John Stones. John Stones. <laughs> I want you to call me that from now on. Ooh. I want my name to be John Stones. <laughs> I'm Mikey Eyelashes and you're John Stones. That, that works for me. Uh, he says, I enjoyed arcade games as a kid, but I never had many spare quarters. Uh, my knowledge was pretty much ended with the household name games like Frogger and Joust. Mm-hmm. Podcast has been a blast to listen to and I really and, and really educational. It even inspired me to put together my own main cabinet and to play a lot oh, of the games. Fantastic. That's yeah, awesome news. This is great stuff. Anyway, if nothing else, thanks for A informing me informing me that I should be excited when I ran across the four Fix It Felix Jr. cabinets at Disneyland last week. And B turned me on to Gravatar, which is now an all time favorite game. Isn't Gravatar amazing? There is a reason why I'm I'm looking over my desk at the moment at my Fix It Felix and at my Gravatar, and there's a reason I picked that as a game. Holy crap, that's such a good game. I love it. It's so hard. I'm so bad at it, but I love it so much. Well, and we talked, we talk a lot about your cabinet and, and kind of how rare these things are. We tend to forget that Disney's got a bunch of yep, these things. Got and they a, put that's them, where most of them went. Right. And they put them all in all of their arcades in the various Disney parks. So yep. you've got, if you're anywhere near one of those, you can you go You just need a pickup game. truck and yep. some speed. <laughs> like, and you too can have yourself a fix it, Felix Jr. <laughs> you drive right down, what is it, Main Street at Disneyland, hang a right in a into Tomorrowland. And, uh... Just throw it in and hope. Go fishing for <laughs> arcade games. So, yeah, it, it sounds like he's really enjoying the show. Thank you for the feedback, Chris. Oh, and he says the podcast came in really handy at last month's Seattle Pinball Arcade Show. Uh, Pinball and Arcade Show, another one that we didn't talk about because we didn't yep. know about. Where I knew to spend time with Gravatar, Tempest Tubes, a three-player trackball rampart, and other oh, rare but yes. amazing games that are hard to capture. Three-player rampart, man. That is totally the way to play. And other rare but amazing games that are hard to capture in home emulation. And so then he goes on and talks about some stuff, and we'll get to more of this, I'm sorry, Chris, uh, in the next episode. That's great that he built his own meme cabinet. Like, that's yeah. totally the way to go, man. That's awesome. Congratulations. He wraps up, and, and this, of course, must be read. I'm a big fan of Mikey Eyelash's 
<laughs> but he could so not, that name's going to stick? Is this going to be a thing? But he could not be more wrong about oh, elevator <laughs> action. Mr. He, Hafner. Oh. Mr. Hafner. Hafner, come to Toronto, Mr. Hafner. We will hang out. We will play Gravatar and elevator action, and we will have ice cream. Then we will go out in California and stay with whoever's invited us over there. He, he goes on with more lies. <laughs> This game is fantastic, and if he could get past the difficulty he had entering the red doors, I think he'd agree. I think so too. It's it's such a. I keep coming back and playing it. It's it's all time fave. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Enjoy your ban, Mister Hafner. <laughs> you can't ban our listeners <laughs> because they disagree with you. <laughs> we have a we got a, a message from Anad Lad. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just going to stop right there because I'm just going to screw up the rest of your name here. Hey guys, love your show. Been an arcade addict for years. The podcast is right up my alley. Just discovered this a week ago, so I've got a lot of catching up to do. I just mm-hmm. finished episode 14 today. Welcome to the show. Yes. No, not sure if you're still taking requests. Yes, we're always yes. taking requests. Yeah, eagerly. I would like to hear your opinions on any of these games, all of which are in my top 10. And he lists Eyes, which I've never heard of. Me neither. Of uh, which I have heard. Kid Nicky. Oh, yeah. Mr. Do, absolutely. Mr. Do, yeah. Mr. Do, definitely high on my list as well. And he's got one here called Legend of Makai. He says it's very obscure, and I've never heard of that. I've just typed those down, though, because I like the games I've never heard of. So thank you for listening. We appreciate the feedback, and we've added those all to the list. Somewhere, Mr. Do must have already been on the list, though, because that's awesome. But Legend of Makai, cool. I love hearing about games I do not know. Chris... Uh, last time I mentioned Chris's last name, I really mangled it. I pronounced Do it, it again. Maravich or something like that. He corrected me and said, it's Chris Maravich, but don't worry. Everybody gets it wrong. And as somebody who, who has uh, an unusual spelling of a common name, I've heard my name mangled more times than I can remember. So I do sympathize with Chris. I just, he says, I just figured I'd share since I find this page very interesting. It's a pretty in-depth summary of the development of the mess emulator. So it's the history of the development of mess. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. And for people who don't know, mess is what, Mike? It is the, it is a big mess. Uh, it's, <laughs> I think, I think mess is either a branch or a parallel development with MAME. It's a, it's another type of emulator that allows you exactly. to play all these games. The difference is that, that MAME concentrates just on arcade games, whereas mess does computers and, and consoles and pretty much everything that they know how to emulate. You can play it in mess. Yep. So it's the multi emulator super system, I there think is what it go. stands for. Yeah. Joe Barlow wrote in, said, I found the show after hearing it plugged on Rob O'Hara's excellent podcast. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. Yes. And Rob O'Hara's podcast is an excellent podcast. And he would like us to review Bagman. Bagman. Do I know Bagman? Tell me, Mike. Do I know that? Oh, I certainly don't. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm adding it to our list. Bagman. There's so much feedback here that that I've just skipped uh, because I'm a jerk that way. And to all of you who have sent things in and I've ignored, I apologize. Okay, Bagman looks awesome. I have Googled it and Bagman's going to be on the list. Yes, Bagman looks fantastic. I even like the cabinet. Nice. Before we move on to other matters, we do have one email that we should talk about. And I don't have email, so Carrington, take it away. I've got email. Where, oh, you know what? I know. It would be, it'd be uh, Jeff. Jeff Shanholtz, I think mm-hmm. it is pronounced. He wrote in... To ask us, Mike, why, oh, why are we hating on bubbles? <laughs> like, uh, Jeff took umbrage, and maybe rightfully so. We'll see We'll see if we can defend our stance. So he wrote in to say, I followed you over as an occasional listener of the Apple II podcast because my main hobby is collecting arcade games. Nice hobby. Uh, he says, I was excited to learn 
I was saying to listen to your Bubbles podcast, but man, it sure seemed like you guys were somehow prejudiced from the start with Bubbles. I couldn't believe the negativity. Plenty of great arcade games have plenty of little things that you could be critical of, and that's what you really wanted to do, and Bubbles is no exception. Uh, but it's an immensely fun game. It's too bad you guys didn't give it a chance. My wife fell in love with the game at California Extreme, bringing that up again, several years ago, and I finally got one at the beginning of this year. As a result, I have come to love this game, and it seems like everyone who plays it enjoys it. So as you can guess, I was totally not expecting your the reaction you guys had to the game. And then he talks about, as well, he addresses that we were both saying it was hard to play. Like, it seemed like the joystick was messed up or just doesn't work in MAME or we thinking it should be a trackball game. Right, he yeah. addressed that as well. He says, I think it works quite well with an eight-way, eight-way joystick, although it was designed to work with a slightly special joystick. He goes on to say, it's not supposed to have the precise maneuverability and control as something like Centipede. It's supposed to be like a slippery bubble that accelerates and decelerates. And if you realize that, then you realize it works uh, well, as is. Could it be a trackball game? Sure. But I don't think it would add much, honestly. Uh, and sure, with a joystick, you don't have infinite control over your direction, but you don't in a game like Robotron either. So he talks about how it's not a particularly rare game. But anyway, he concludes with, boy, it was hard to listen to you guys nitpick this game. Just enjoy it for the simple fun it is and don't overanalyze every little thing. So, Mike, defend yourself. Why do our listeners hate you? <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't me. Carrington made me say all those negative things about bubbles. It wasn't me. I I gotta say, like, I totally get where Jeff is coming from. And it probably did come across as us, welcome to the show, we hate bubbles and here's why. So I guess if this is a game you really like, most of the time when we've been negative on a game, one of us hasn't liked it and one of us has. Like Elevator Action, Sinistar, you'll have one person take championing the game while one person hates it. So if you're a huge fan of Sinistar and you listen to our Sinistar episode, you will hear Mike incorrectly talk about how it's a bad game and you'll hear me correctly talk about how it's an awesome game. Whereas in this case, I guess the problem was there was no Jeff here. There was nobody to stand up and say, here's why Bubbles is fun and good and why it's still around. I think the problem is just, I didn't enjoy playing it. Like I have to be honest when I'm talking about the games and when we do one of these episodes, we're coming off just like sort of a one week crash course in playing. Like Mike and I don't get to play it for a full week. We pick a game and then there'll be a couple of hours between the one recording and the next recording where I can make time to play the game. Really just like, you know, maybe maybe two hours, three hours at most if I'm lucky. And if a game doesn't grab you and and it just I was struggling with it, it I, I didn't get the metaphor. I just didn't have fun. So I think I just didn't have anything to say. And maybe that made me come across super hating negative but it was an honest reaction because i didn't like the game (laughs) i hate to say it and i thought i was trying to trying to sort of forgive the game by saying it should have been a trackball or maybe it's the the joystick is not working for us to try to come up with a reason well why do other people like this game whereas i found it almost unplayable and not fun at all so i was thinking well maybe it's the hardware maybe it's the fact that i'm playing it on mame maybe if i played it in a real arcade i would actually like it like who knows so what i will do is i will promise to check it out and try to keep an open mind when i go to fun spot or the next time i have an opportunity to play it in an actual cabinet i will drop real quarters into it and then i will come back jeff and then you'll hear what i really have to think about bubbles but so far Bubble sucks. <laughs> so I just have. I just didn't enjoy it. What about you, Mike? Defend your stance. Why were you so negative? I was being super hating negative, and I'm not going to keep an open mind about this game. <laughs> okay. Um, anyone who likes this game is stupid, and I hate you all. No, I'm, I'm totally That's kidding true. here. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get a bunch of email about that. No, I, I understand that that there are people who like this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that you know, just like there are games that I like that other people, I'm sure, don't. 
I thought overall it was a great email. I you know giving yeah, I a, thought so too. I thought he made his points well. Well, he was clear and and waited till the end before he made insults about my mother and things. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. He didn't do that. The one the one or two things that that kind of caught my attention were what the first one was that that he felt we didn't give it a chance and and. I, I, I gotta kind of disagree with that because even though we only play these games for a couple of hours a week, they're just, to me anyway, there just wasn't enough to this game to, to justify any more than that. I, I think we did give it a chance. It's just a sink full of stuff over and over again. It's very repetitive. But it's weird how that happens though because a lot of games that I like are very repetitive. Today, this week's game is highly repetitive, but I loved it. He opens with something about nitpicking and other games. What was that? Those sentences? Yes. Well, he was saying how, um, that we sort of came in with a negative mind and you could be critical of any arcade game. Um, but we didn't really give it a chance. And so we were nitpicking like the, the small details. All right. Yeah. My thought on that is that, yeah, other games have little flaws that you can nitpick. It's just that Bubbles had all of them. Nothing but it was nothing but flaws. I guess we did talk totally negatively about that Satan of Saturn game too. Well, we did, and we talked about Buck Rogers, but that way, and we talked about Zarzon. Those games just don't have any defenders writing us. Yeah, and maybe we're wrong about this, but uh, maybe we're wrong about this. But it just doesn't. I would feel say like Bubbles it. is definitely better than Zarzon, but I still didn't like it. <laughs> Like, I'd love to say that I did or just changed my mind, but the reality is I just, my honest reaction was I didn't have fun playing it and it's a game. So it comes from whether or not I, and if I think if I enjoy a game, I will come up with reasons to justify the fact that I like it. And if I don't enjoy a game, I will come up with reasons to justify the fact that I don't like it. At the end of the day, it's just, did I have fun or not? And I think the track, I think you may have taken the trackball thing the wrong way. I didn't, when I mentioned that, and I think when you mentioned it as well, for me, it wasn't a, a negative thing necessarily. And maybe at that point I was just so down on the game that it came across that way. But I, I just, it struck me as odd that it wasn't because of the way that the bubble moved around the playing field. It, it felt like the movements reminded me a lot of centipede where you're moving across the bottom of the screen and, and there isn't that tight movement. That, and that just sort of seems to fit with a trackball to me. And so I wondered why it wasn't. I, I didn't necessarily think that, oh, if it had a trackball, it would be, that would fix all the problems in this game. And for me, I did get the whole, it's a slidey bubble. I think I mentioned in the Bubbles episode that uh, the gameplay reminded me of the old classic Macintosh game, Crystal Quest. And that too is a game where you're whipping around and it sort of accelerates and decelerates. And that was a game you played with a mouse. Or it's actually at the time, I think I had a trackball, some Kensington trackball I used to play on my mm -hmm. old SE30 or something. And I prefer that kind of control with something like a trackball or mouse. So even though it's not like Centipede where you stop the trackball and it immediately stops, I do prefer the slidey thing if it if I can get a trackball. So I did maybe that's just me, but I just didn't have fun playing the game. So at the end of the day, here's an interesting thing and, and sort of an aside note as well. If you can't get one of those uh, X arcade controls that's just the the trackball and you don't want the giant tank stick that has one, right. if you go out and buy like a Kensington trackball and plug it into your your computer and load up Mame. That trackball will work like a trackball in Centipede and these other games. Ah, nice. And if you want to try a game like Bubbles with the trackball, you can use this Kensington or whatever you, whatever trackball you use to do exactly that. But does it work? Like, can you actually play Bubbles with the trackball? I haven't tried. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to. And, and the reason he does bring up some, some interesting stuff. I, I think I still kind of stand by what I said about not liking bubbles and, and the reasons. And, and if it came across harshly, it's probably because once I started talking badly about it, it was sort of easy to stay on that track. So he brings to light something that's I hadn't really noticed before about at least the way that I do podcasts and stuff. 
is that it's once you get into that negative track, it's easy to continue to talk crap about something and not try and find some good stuff to talk about. And so uh, I appreciate that he wrote that email in because mm-hmm. that's going to make it, it, it makes me more aware of when I'm, I'm doing that stuff. And, and in the future, then it makes it easier for me to try to avoid falling into sort of that rut or trap. I'm going to try to fall into that rut more. Yeah, that's true. And I'm going to hate on this week's game because of you, Jeff. <laughs> you've ruined you've ruined this game too, Jeff. Carrington, you are you are disgustingly relentlessly positive, and I will not stand for that. <laughs> so anyway, I agree that um, I thought Jeff's email was excellent, and I thought it was yeah, a well written criticism that made really good points. Doesn't change my mind. I still didn't like bubbles, but I think the internet needs more people who can be like Jeff and say, I take umbrage and I disagree with what you're saying and say it in a well-composed, thoughtful, classy way. Like, holy cow, YouTube comments should all be written by Jeff because (laughs) the world would be a better place if this was the way people criticized because I was very impressed with this email. So that's why I too wanted to read it out because I thought this is a great email that's telling us we're wrong, (laughs) but it's so well put. No, it is. is. Good criticism. I'm glad that he did. And, and, you know, if if you're out there seething in your living room about something that I said about your favorite game and... And sticking a uh, a pin into into my little voodoo doll that you <laughs> that you got, and just write us. I mean, we'll talk about it. It's good stuff. We love send it. Send more hate mail. Is what Absolutely. we're saying. Because <laughs> you, you'll notice how much time we spent on this, as opposed to some of these other emails. So. It, to, to be honest, it was one of my favorite emails we've received because <laughs> it's somebody who really thoughtfully responded. Right. So, You're I'm like, like, this is why I hate you. <laughs> well, totally. But I'm like, I'll take it. Like, I love a thoughtful response like that. I thought it was excellent. There are two more things that we need to talk about. And I know at we're, least two. We're going way way on here, but. Ben Heck, do you know that Good name? name no, but I like that name. Ben Heck is, I think his his last name is actually Heckendorn. He goes by Ben Heck, and he is a hardware hacker type person. He likes to modify cases. He likes to take things and build them into other things. Good name for a hacker, too. Yeah, I know Ben because he took a, an actual Apple II GS and put it into a a reasonable, usable uh, laptop. Oh, nice. Well done, Ben. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, he only made one of those and isn't selling anymore. But oh, you, is he going to give it to me? Afraid not. No. Oh, I, I don't I, like Ben anymore. I think somebody commissioned him to do it. And it was a fairly expensive process. But if you go to his webpage, you'll see how beautiful the stuff is that he makes. I mean, it's gorgeous professional stuff. I'm on his site, and you are completely right. Holy cow. So, BenHeck.com, uh, that's going in the show notes. He, has, uh, he also has a YouTube channel. This week or last week, he posted part one uh, of a video series, How to Build an Old School Arcade Machine. And basically, he shows you how to build your own machine that you can put MAME or whatever else in. And it looks like there's part one up, and I think part two may be coming. He also covered building a tabletop, like a cocktail-type arcade machine. So, yeah, definitely go go watch those. Even if you don't want to build one, it's still neat to see that kind of stuff. And finally, woohoo! I have a correction, or maybe not a correction, a clarification about Daphne and the DVD check that sure. Digital Leisure has. Or Laserdisc check, I guess. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's you You buy one of Digital Leisure's DVDs, put it in, and then Daphne will download the files for you. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah, okay. So that you can play these older games. So I had stated that Digital Leisure went to Daphne, the developers, and made them put this check in. And that that was the only way that you could play any of Digital Leisure's titles. There are four titles, by the way. There's the two Dragon Slayers, uh, Space Ace, and one called Thayer's Quest that all require this check. Well, holy crap, I just got the title. What? Dragon's Lair, Dragon Slayer. 
Really? I never got that pun oh. before. <laughs> because dragons have layers. So dragons layer. Yeah. Dragon slayer. Uh-huh. Well, don't I feel slow? <laughs> that only literally only just occurred to me now. I never I guess I never said it out loud quickly and mumbly. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dragon where you, Slayer. Where you begin to, to write in your emails and laugh Dragon at Dragon Slayer. He's going to do this for the rest of the show, so I'm just going to turn him down while he, while he ponders Slayer. the mysteries of Dragon the Dragon's Slayer pun. Dragon and I'm going to go on and talk about Daphne and Digital Leisure. And I'm going to talk about Velma. Okay. So what I said was was that Daphne um, required you to required this DVD check and that Digital Leisure forced it on them and the you know DRM and <laughs> like like I usually do. Um, that's not exactly the case. Uh, Joshua Reasoner wrote in and asked me about that because he has an older build of of Daphne in his main cabinet and he's never been he's never had to check the check the oh. disc or anything. So he asked me, he asked about uh, when did they put this in and said it's the first he's ever heard of it. And so I did a little research and Daphne has a wiki where they keep an FAQ and stuff like that. And there's this, a page specifically where they talk about this very issue. Now they don't go into, they don't, I don't know when they put this in. I, I, I too have an older version of Daphne that never asked for that, but at some point it showed up and, and they're saying that they actually went to digital leisure and said, we want to be legal. How, how can we do this? And this is what Digital Leisure offered them. So if that's true, that's kind of cool, actually. I, I respect that they would do that. And the fact that this disc is only necessary if you're going to use Daphne's auto-download feature. So the way Daphne works is you pick the game you want to play, and it automatically downloads the MPEGs uh, onto your computer the first time you play that game. Then, you know, that does seem like a pretty reasonable compromise and approach. As much as I, like... My gut reaction always, hate on, hate on yeah, DRM, hate, exactly. hate, hate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Well, and it goes a little bit further. And, and if you read down into that FAQ, as I understand it anyway, that's only for the auto download feature. So if right. you have your own MPEGs that you've ripped from disk or that you've gotten from a naughty place on the internet, this disk check is not required. It does, it does take a little bit of futzing around with the, the um, config files, but it's not necessary. Okay, cool. That's a very good update. That was a length, lengthy, lengthy intro. Maybe we should just like split these off into two. I was thinking about last week because it went on so long. Well, I like what I liked is at the beginning of last week, we had somebody write in to say, you know what? I do think that the half an hour, <laughs> 35 minute, 40 minute, like, like and then we go on for like an hour and a half. Right. Yeah. And this week as well, we're seem to be getting slow. This news is adding to these shows, man. I apologize for well, that. Well, I was thinking like, I was thinking last week as I was editing of having like two versions of this where one is just the game talk. Well, they can oh, download yeah. that. Okay. And, and sure. another one that's like the whole thing if they want. You know, we, which we could totally do. So maybe write in if you'd be interested in us splitting off the stream and having a different RSS feed for just the review part. And we skip, say, the feedback and the news and just right say. Right to the just, good stuff. Yeah, right, right to the gooey center of the podcast. Let us know. And speaking of good stuff, Carrington, what game did we play? This week's game. Ah, yes. Remember how we talk about games? <laughs> Let's start doing that half an hour we into the show. We actually did play a game, didn't we? This oh. week's game also has a pun in its name, but it's a pun that is not as bad as the pun from before, whatever the heck it was, the Pong or... Dragon Slayer. It is... Oh, Dragon Slayer. God darn. <laughs> it is Russian Attack. Not Russian, like CCCP, but Russian... R U S H apostrophe N. And yet Russian it is sort attack. Of Russian R U S. It is Russian attack. Yes, because it was rushing attack. You need another apostrophe. And it wouldn't make quite as much sense given what you're seeing when you actually play the game. 
So it's a 1985 game from Konami. And yes, the first thing I did was try to check the Konami code. And did it work? No. Does nothing. Konami code does nothing in this game. We should have stopped playing right there and just... (laughs) I should have said, that's it. More bubbles. (laughs) (laughs) So it is a side-scrolling platformer. I guess you'd call it a run-and-gun game. I think of them as beat-em-ups, but it's really a run-and-gun. Well, run-and-stab. Because it's mostly you stab people with a knife. Yeah, your, your knife is definitely the primary weapon here. You start on the left and you kind of, well, you mostly stay on the left and, and the background scrolls by from right to left. And as you're running, your your primary goal is to, to release these POWs that have been captured by the evil, evil Soviets. Uh, this game, by the way, is all about cold era paranoia in america it is mid 80s of course because so this comes out the year after missing in action the chuck norris movie it's the same year as schwarzenegger's in commando and uh, rambo first blood so in so it's mid 80s and you know the russians are scaring everybody reagan was in his second term and his his anti-soviet sentiment was really coming out at that point yep hugely so this is a this is a game of its time definitely and in fact in the rest of the world outside of the united states this game is called green beret because the rest of the world was more reasonable and sane about this stuff or just into hats well that the rest of the world was really into hats so whether you were whether you believe that the soviet union was the evil empire or the united states was this game is a lot of fun. And it's interesting to me that you found this game fun. We were talking about this mm-hmm. this week. Because you even you admitted that this game has a lot in common with Kung Fu Master. Yes. Which you hated on. <laughs> you hated on with a bubble's passion. Well, this game I found to be much more realistic. I figured if I'm running through a field of Soviet planes and soldiers... These are things that could actually happen to me as I'm as I'm hitting guys with flamethrowers and jumping over forty foot fences. Absolutely. So it's a it's a it's a side scrolling game. You do like you said. You mostly have a knife, and you're coming after wave of wave of one hit enemies to kill them out. You go through uh, at least four stages. There's a marshalling area first, and then you go to a harbor. Then you go to an air base, and that's as far as I ever got. <laughs> then after that, there's the actual camp, I guess, with the mm-hmm. POWs that you're supposed to free. And then once you free them, supposedly it starts again but i don't know i suck at this game <laughs> the game starts over and it just gets harder and they come at you faster and uh, you'd mentioned the temporary weapons that you get uh, mm-hmm. they're things like flamethrowers and rocket launchers and the difference between these and your knives is you get three shots with the weapon and then it's gone and it doesn't matter right. how many of them you pick up they don't stack so it's three shots and that's oh, it so it's, yeah so it's, it really is better to if you see another one, to fire off your yeah. three shots and yeah. then pick up a you new just, one. You really want to, unless you're, unless you know what's coming up and you need it. Say, for example, at the end of, to the end of stage one, where the, there's a truck that rolls out, and all these soldiers come running at you at different speeds, and there's a couple of them that do flying karate kicks and stuff. That's a lot easier to deal with if you got the flamethrower because it just burns through them all. Yep. And when you have other things like the bazooka or the gun, the bullet also goes through multiple things. So right. you can, if you're facing a wave of enemies and there's a bunch of landmines in front of you, you can kneel down, shoot, and get rid of everything on the screen in front of you with one shot. So mm-hmm. very handy weapons. And because they are plentiful, they're everywhere, there's no reason not to just grab them and use them and yep. use them and use them. I got a little bit further than you, I think. And so, yes, the game does start over at stage one, and it does get much more difficult. It's already difficult to start with. For me, very, very difficult. And what I know, some things about the, the play I really liked, like a lot of games of this era, like when you press your button, it's a two-button game, you get knife and special weapon, knife and weapon buttons, basically. When you press your, your knife weapon to stab out 
um, you won't move. So if you're stabbing, you won't be walking, which is good because otherwise you just like walk into guys and get killed. So you can repeatedly st- stab and you'll sort of stay still and stuff like that. So I, I like the the action on that quite a bit. I also find it interesting that there are, as far as I can tell, at least as far as I got in the game, there's no real boss fights. Like unlike a lot of Konami games and a lot of games of this era, it's not that you get to the end of a stage and then face, you know, a giant mecha Russian or something. You instead just face like a truck full of bad guys and there's right. a whole bunch of them, all of which are one hit enemies. So it's more just you face waves of the same sort of thing over and over. Still kicks my butt, but some of them get a little bit more powerful with the karate kicks from the from a couple of the guys out of the truck and their dogs at, at some point and. Uh, so it's not just you're not just going to blaze your way. Well, I guess maybe you are because you are Chuck Norris. Uh, there are mines and things like that on the ground, but you can either jump over those or you can use a grenade to blow them up. Yep, there are different and they're levels. easy to spot, which I liked. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no hiding here. It's not trying to be a sneaky game. The, the mines are obvious. The sneakiest stuff that you see is sometimes the soldiers are laying down on the ground, and so you don't always see them, or they'll they'll duck down to shoot at you, and that requires you to jump or duck under. Uh, there are different levels, so you're not just running on a single level platform the whole time. You can jump up under bridges. I like that a lot, actually. That's, and, that's, that, that adds a lot to the game. And I guess that's a difference between this and uh, Kung Fu Master as well. So for this game, it felt faster paced because I think the soldiers are running at you faster and you're yep. moving quicker. And the, the background the background scrolls, I think it had, I don't know if it's more smoothly or what, or what it is, but it felt like a, a more complete immersive experience, I guess. Mm. Than Kung Fu I like the I like the graphics too. I like the backgrounds. In Kung Fu Master, like so the the thugs that would run at you, their behavior was weird. They wouldn't fight you; they'd just grab you, right, <laughs> and hug you. <laughs> we want to hug you until you shake. And yes. you'd mentioned that in this game, when you're stabbing, you're not you can't run. And that's right. similar to Kung Fu Master as well. But I felt that when the stab was over, it was easier to get up and continue to move. Yeah, I found I found the action in this really good. The movement was really good. It's kind of weird that it's an eight-way joystick, I think, than the four-way. But I guess because you go up on angles and stuff a bit. And in fact, jumping and ladder climbing was one of the one of the things that got me a lot because I would try to jump, and I was close enough to a ladder that he would start climbing. Yeah, that would get me sometimes too. Or I'd jump and I'd hit something. I, like yeah, I would frequently die because of jumping. Mm-hmm. Russian Attack is a very simple game. There's not a lot to it. It's it's a simple it's, game for a simple political mindset. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> It's easy to play. It's it's not hard to get into and feel like super fun though. Super fun. I I yeah. You drop a quarter in and f- ten minutes in, you feel like you're doing really well. It doesn't feel like you have to spend a lot of time to to even get started in a game. I agree. Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it moved on at a good clip. Uh, music wasn't you know super amazing. Yeah. I think especially for 1985, it was a little bit. Kind of, kind of repetitive and dull, but, but, but not enough to annoy me where I'm like turning it off and cursing the day Carrington was born. Yes. <laughs> like, like often. But I, I, yeah, I, it was one of those games where I just immediately liked it. Like just right away. Mm-hmm. I remember playing it from before and, and kind of digging it. I remember, I think I spent more time playing the NES port than the, than this version, but I just right away said, Oh yeah, we have a winner this week. This game from, from first virtual quarter. I really liked it. I never played the NES port, but. From what I'm reading here, the NES version is actually the way to go if you want to play this game. It's there's a a lot of stuff that they added to the gameplay that that enhances it uh, rather than clutters it. The extra stuff in in the, the Nintendo version of Russian Attack makes the game much more enjoyable. Not that this wasn't and yet. There's a conspiracy site dun, dun, that dun. says. It's movie-censorship.org has an article, Russian Attack 
changes for the NES about how it was censored. They took out the flamethrower and they had to therefore make changes to the plot sort of, and they couldn't have the guy salute at the end. And what's up with that? <laughs> like it's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> so, but I agree. The NES version is a really good version and it plays really well on, there was a, a good port on the uh, Nintendo game boy advance as well. So plays really well on that too. It uh, also showed up on the uh, Microsoft Xbox 360 and many home computers of the day, the BBC Micro, several Thompsons, the Sinclairs. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, I think I played it on the Sinclair. Yeah. Uh, the Commodore was 16. Wow. The MSX, the Atari 800, the Amstrad CPC, the 64. And not the Apple II, I think, though. No, I, not I, the I Apple can't II. think of one. And there was an MS-DOS version. There were ports for this, though, I think. Weren't there, I mean, rather sequels. Weren't there, like, official sequels? I think there was MIA, like Missing in Action, which is, clearly this game is based on Missing in Action, the Chuck Norris movie. Oh, sure, but I think the actual sequel to this game that came a few years later in the arcade was the one that they called Missing in Action. And then very recently, like last year or the year before or something, really recently, there was another Russian attack sequel called Expatriate, I think. And it came out on PlayStation Network and Xbox Live. But it was one of those quasi 3D look ones. It didn't really do it for me. Yeah, I think that game came out like 2010 or 11. I yeah. mean, very recently. And, and like you, you had the, the common perception of the game. And that's that I'm a common fellow. You are. And that's that it wasn't very good. Russian Attack or Green Beret, depending on where you live, featured a Z80. I'm sorry, a Z80. There CPU you go. <laughs> I've trained you well. At 3.072 megahertz for the main CPU uh-huh. and the SN76496 at 1.536 megahertz for the sound generation. Cool. Carrington, tell me about the cabinet. It's super boring. <laughs> it's, a, it's a super fun game in a super boring cabinet. So it's basic. Although, okay, we'll get to it. But there's some strange things about this cabinet or variants. But the uh, the basic cabinet is a very basic boring cab. It's a plain Jane cannabis uh, cab where it's got the brown fake wood paneling sides and Ugh. side art decal that's boring. only like not very big. Yeah, totally. Plain black monitor bezel, like no bezel art at all. Marquee is just like a red logo and a generic commando guy with a bazooka and the control panel is just totally dull. It's just got the like the red shoot buttons and the yellow knife buttons and then like blue one and two player buttons and then just some it's like black with red stripes. It's like tried to make camouflage, but they only had red ink. It's totally a terrible looking cabinet, like really generic, really unfortunate because it's such a fun game, but super generic, super dull cabinet. However, the internet seems to be full of photos of cabs with full length side art and this really cool big bezel art and even a neat barbed wire graphic on the front. So I don't know what's up with that. I think somebody has just made their own art to make a better cabinet for, for Russian attack. So it wouldn't be the classic original cabinet, but it looks a whole heck of a lot better. So I don't know who made that. I can't seem to find the source on it, but somebody made it. And there's a bunch of cabinets out there that look a lot nicer than the originals. So uh, yeah, you can expect to... Sorry, what was that? I know there's a couple of places out there that will custom make high quality vinyl um, siding or vinyl artwork that you can put on these cabs for like right. $100 for a set of cabinet. But art. a lot of times so, isn't that... Um, Reproduction. Usually art. it it's is. Like the yeah, same it's, art. Usually yeah. it's reproduction, but you know, somebody made, for example, we talked about this, the, the, um, the female Donkey Kong. Uh, oh, yeah, Pauline. Name? Pauline, yeah. Somebody made yeah. Pauline, uh, artwork that you could buy. And obviously awesome. that's, that's not a reproduction of anything. 
It's reproduction of awesome. <laughs> and I know that there are a lot of guys that, that build their own home cabinets and, and do stuff like this. So, Well, it's cool. And I think, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm all about the classic cab, but this isn't a game that loses anything by playing in a main. Frankly, I love this game. It should be part of somebody's collection, but have it be part of your main cabinet. Or if you wanted a standalone cabinet, you might as well make the better looking one because the, the original is kind of dull. If you do want to pick up an original cabinet, they are plentiful and readily available there's you pay anywhere from like 100 to 250 usually to get a decent one in working condition so it's yeah that's it now there's currently a few on available online right now for over a thousand dollars but there's those crazy online resellers and they want a thousand dollars for every game there's currently one for sale in albuquerque new mexico a working one in decent condition for a hundred dollars so if you want russian attack and you live near albuquerque new mexico get on the internet and go get yourself one yeah there's really no reason not to if you're if you're collecting these games and you don't for a hundred bucks well the parts are worth a hundred bucks. It's a great game. It's a lot of fun. Oh, totally. Russian Attack is weird because it's kind of hard to talk about. There's not much to it. I mean... Yeah, side scroll, stab, shoot. Yeah, but, but when you start playing it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's good, classic, straight-ahead gameplay. Uh, I really enjoyed it. There's nothing I didn't like about this game. Really liked it. Other than the fact that it's too hard for me and I kind of suck at this kind of game. <laughs> I did very poorly, but I, I had fun for the little time I played. <laughs> it looks like there was also a conversion kit available from Konami as well, so you could turn other cabinets into Russian attacks. Make, makes sense. I mean, it's kind of generic in its controls and stuff. So, All right, Carrington, how'd you do? Uh, best score I got was 51,100, which is sort of in the middle or the beginning part of level three. I could get through level one, and I could usually get through level two, and I never finished level three. So all the POWs always died. The whole idea that we've got four captured guys and there's a whole army. Why don't we send in one person to save them? Well, that was a ridiculous idea to start with. You shouldn't have sent just me. I should have had army. Well, it was a ridiculous idea. And yet it was the theme of pretty much every action movie that came out of Hollywood in the 1980s. that starred Schwarzenegger, well, Stallone. I'm clearly no 8-bit Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. All of those movies were, were based on this. This idea of the one-man army who the would, lone wolf, who, who would go. Uh, remember, Commando, I think, was like was was yep. the, the biggest stereotype of this, where he walks into this base and there's hundreds of of nondescript Hispanic soldiers running back and forth across the lawn shooting at him, and he wipes them all out with the forty the forty different chain guns that he's carrying, and they're running like crazy, and he's walking at a slow pace and throwing grenades and eating theirs, and yeah. yes, it's basically the series of movies that nowadays are being kind of spoofed and kind of coming a back. A little bit, yeah, yeah. a little bit. But so how'd this, you do, Mike? Let's, let's see, Lone Wolf Mike. Uh, I got 127,200. Oh. <laughs> you, <just, laughs> you destroyed me this week. For whatever reason, I did really well with Russian Attack, and part of it may have been that I I enjoyed it enough to, to continue to, to drop quarters I enjoyed it. it. I kept putting quarters in. I just <laughs> suck. Yeah, just for some reason, I just, the game wouldn't click for me. I had a really fun time playing it, but I just kept dying in like stupid ways. I would jump when I should. Like just it would always be a couple of mistakes in a row, and bingo, I'm dead. Sort of like Donkey Kong, you know, where, where you get trapped by the barrels and you turn the wrong way and jump. But I still loved it. I loved it. I, yep, I, great I, game. My games were short, but I loved every minute of them. I had a lot of fun yep. playing this game. I no need for me anyway to to buy a cabinet, even as cheap as they are, because you don't lose anything playing this. No, game. this plays great in name. Yeah, and especially 100%. if I found it's it's especially cool if you go in and mess with the uh, what is it the H HLSL or HSLS. Oh, filters. to make it look all arcadey. Yeah, so you can make it look for whatever reason. This game looks especially good when you blur it a little bit, and yeah, it's, it's very cool. 
That was my problem. Not enough blur. Yeah, that must have been it. Blame <laughs> it on that, Carrington. I do. Blame it on the blur. Okay, next week. What do we got, Mike? This is what you get for liking Kung Fu Master. I like. I still like Kung Fu Master, and I'm better <laughs> at it. <laughs> so, clearly, I need fewer platforms. Yes. Well, let's see if you like this game. What's it sound like? This. So I think that about wraps it up for this week. And, and in fact, you know what, Carrington? What? I will be in your very presence seeing you face-to-face when we record next. We probably didn't even need a sound effect for next week. Any good listener should already know what next week's game was going to be without us playing a sound. Because we've given you a heads up. You should know what we're playing next week. Oh, and a little bit of hate for the Retroist. <laughs> Bring and his, it. And his podcast for releasing a Galaga podcast last week. You dick. <laughs> So I wonder what game ours is. <laughs> I mean, come on. We called this thing weeks ago. What are you doing? Yeah. Jeez. What's up with you, that? You, Vic Sage, and, and, and you, Jack Flack, for contributing to that podcast. Banned and banned. <laughs> Mike, we're going to run out of listeners. You keep banning everybody. No, seriously. I know. Uh, I'm banned. It, seriously. Actually, that's a very good podcast. Check right, it out. Totally. And, yeah. And, well, sometimes the retroist gets a little, either a little too specific for me and I don't really get into it. Oh, really? Because I like it when it gets that way. Well, sometimes the topic is something I just don't care about. Or I'm not interested in. I care um, about all topics. Oh, well, you do. Yes, it's true. But most of the time, <laughs> he's got really great stuff and especially mm-hmm. when he talks about the arcade game. So yeah. go get a preview of what our better podcast is going to sound like. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Have a good week, everybody. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this show has been released to the public domain. Monster Feet.